as you find me All my fears and failures Fill my life again I give my life to follow Everything I believe in Now I surrender Savior, He can move the mountains My God is mighty to save He is mighty to save forever Author of salvation Heroes and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world Well, good morning, church. Good morning, good morning. Let's sing together. Oh, wonderful Savior is Jesus, my Lord, a wonderful Savior to me. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock, where rivers of pleasure I see. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock that shadows a dry, thirsty land. He hideth my life in the depths of his love. Covers me there with his hand, and covers me there with his hand. Oh, wonderful Savior is Jesus, my Lord. He taketh my burden, and he holdeth me up, and I shall not be moved. He giveth me strength as my day. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock. That shadows and rivers he left. He hired my life in the depths of his love. And covers me there with his hand. And covers me there with his hand. When clothed in his brightness, transported and rise to me.
that lost hour of sleep last night or maybe you set your clocks forward early enough in the day that it didn't matter I want to welcome both the members and visitors to our 1045 service here at Preston Crest Church of Christ my name is Jeff Clevenger I'm one of the elders and we're happy to have you join us both in person or online through our streaming, if you are a first-time visitor, please fill out the attendance card in the back of the pew and take it to the information desk. We want to welcome you with a special gift and also get to know you better after the service. Please take time right now, if you haven't done so already, to text check-in at the number on the screen. Get it. This is critical for our response team to know who is attendance in case of safety or security measures. Please join me for prayer. Dear Father in heaven, help us to love the Lord your God with all our heart and love our neighbors as ourselves. Help us to grow in spiritual growth through actions, praise, and biblical learning. Thank you for physical comforts, abundance of food, and freedom of religion. Help us not to covet. Because we are blessed with so much, help us to share with those in need. Give us wisdom to make good decisions and show common sense. Help us in our voice and language not to use empty or offensive words. Help us to feed our minds with wholesome information is to purify our thoughts. Thank you for Christ who died upon the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. We are so thankful that we are, he is our avenue of prayer to you. We pray for those receiving care for cancer and others with major illness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Join me in the call to worship, Matthew 19, 14. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such, to such as these. Well, it makes me want to shout. I move to sing with every beat of my heart. 
you put a song in my soul when you made me. People think I'm crazy when I'm praising your name. Well, I get so excited cause there's nothing quite the same. Smile on my face cause from the smile in my heart. You put a song in my soul when you made me. You put a song in my soul and I wanna let it out. The spirit in my life, well, it makes me wanna shout. I'm moved to sing with everything. You put a song in my soul when you made me I was still be singing to the day that I die And Lord, I heard you promise a home up in the sky My joy is in your spirit and song in your name You put a song in my soul when you made me Come on Song in my soul I will lift my voice to you Song in my soul And I'll give the praise to you Song in my soul I will give my life to Good morning. Welcome to our baby blessing and celebration morning. We would like to ask the new babies to come to the podium and bring their families with them. <laughs> and we'd like for the elders that can to come and surround these families as we say a few words and then bless these new lives. great group. On behalf of the elders here at Preston Crest, let me say that we love children, we love young families, we love babies, and one of our traditions here is to have this special time in an assembly to pray to God, thanking him for these new children and asking for his blessing on their lives. This is not a requirement or a biblical command or example. It's not a christening but it's merely our tradition to celebrate life and a time of blessing to affirm this gift from above. In today's world, many view children as a negative, as a burden of additional cost or time or hassle. That's not our view, and that's not a biblical view. We love and value each new baby and recognize each one as a blessing from God. Psalm 127, three through five says, "'Children are a gift from the Lord, they are a reward from him. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. My wife and I have five, and we feel like our quiver is only half full. We congratulate every parent and grandparent this morning uh, with, this, with these new babies. We urge each of you to nourish these new lives, not only physically, but spiritually as well. Read the Bible to them, sing with them, pray with them, Teach them with your words and with your example each day. With this many babies on the stage, who knows what 
with God's help, these little ones may become. You are likely looking at future scientists, lawyers, engineers, doctors, business people, elders, deacons, missionaries, Bible class teachers. One of these babies may cure a type of cancer, walk on Mars, or start the next Amazon or Tesla. They may also lead many other souls to eternal life in Christ Jesus. As elders, we want you parents to know that we're here for you. In fact, the entire Preston Crest congregation is here for you to love and encourage and support you in this most important task that is parenting according to God's will. We are blessed to have an incredible children's minister, uh, ministry directed by Rebecca Sutton, who has such a heart for these children. She, along with other staff members and hundreds of volunteers from this church that are servant-hearted brothers and sisters, want to help you infuse God's word into your child as they themselves demonstrate the love of Christ. Whenever we can help you, pray for you, assist you in any way as parents, please reach out to us. Again, congratulations. Let's all pray together over these precious babies. Our Father in heaven, we come before you this morning to thank you for all the blessings of our lives. And this morning we are especially grateful for the miracle of these new lives. I thank you for this incredible gift of life that you have given to these families. I thank you for every coup and every cry and every fussing noise being made right here on this stage and, and weekly in this auditorium, Father. We recognize that as a blessing and I'm so thankful for each of these parents and their commitment to follow you and to have a relationship with you. And I'm especially grateful, Father, that you have instilled in each of these parents the need to raise their families in a Christian home and to ensure they are raised in the church community in order to teach them about you early in their lives. Father, I ask that you give wisdom to these parents to make good decisions for their little ones that will direct the trajectory of their lives and from these earliest days, always toward you, Father, and your will. I ask that you bless these parents, give them strength and persistence and steadfast resolve as they bring these children up to know you and your word and give them the strength to push back against cultural differences and protect them while they are young. Lord, I also ask that you bless these new babies. Father, bless them physically, mentally, spiritually. Protect them, Father, and give them healthy bodies and minds as they begin to grow and mature. And I pray especially, Father, for their spiritual lives, that you will bless them in every way. I pray that their parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles will pour your word, the Bible, into their hearts and minds every day. And I pray that these little ones will be exposed to the best examples and role models during these formative years. And Father, help each of us as their Preston Crest Church family to teach them your word, to encourage them, to support them, and to help lead them to a knowledge and faith that will sustain them. Father, we're just so thankful for all you do for us, most of all for the gift of your son that came to earth as a baby just such as these, Father. And it's through him that we pray. Amen. Amen. <laughs> 
Hey, there we go. All right. We've got a brunch prepared uh, for these families. We're going to excuse them now. The shepherds will eat, eat, be eating with them. We're going to enter into our time of communion this morning. We're going to sing one more song as we do that, and then Todd Robertson will come and lead us around the bread and around the cup this morning. You had some really insightful remarks that I was going to make this morning, but Dr. Pruitt just threw me a curveball when he said, I have five kids and I feel like my quiver is only half full. I have four and mine is running over. <laughs> so I'm going to be thinking about my communion this morning on uh, how I over underreact to uh, Dr. Pruitt's admonishment. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your love we thank you for the way you bless us, the way you care for us. And dear Lord, as we think about communion, we can only think about what you would have us to do, how you would have us to be, how you would have us react to this world that 
needs a savior, but they need to see how that savior has impacted other people. And they have to see that through us as your children. Dora, as we think about communion this morning, help us to think about our influence in the way that we interact with others in the way that we show others how Christ lives in us and what that means to us. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your blessings. And be with us as we think about your love for us as you died on the cross. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, as we think about the blood that was shed on the cross and what that means to us as believers and that it washes over our sins, but more importantly, it helps us to be able to forgive better, forgive bigger, and to be able to show that through the way that we love you is how we treat other people. Thank you so much for your blessings and just help us to be good examples for all. In your son's name we pray, amen. Jesus comes, I'll sing his praise, and then to glory go, and reign with him through endless days, because he you said it 
because of him, we're able to forgive better. Because of him, we're able to forgive bigger. I like that. Church, that's why we're here. We're here because of his forgiveness, because of his grace and mercy. And so now we give. If you brought an offering this morning ready to give, you can drop that in the box in the foyer. Always giving online is appropriate as well. However you choose to give, thank you for furthering his work in this place and outside of these walls as well. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving and forgiving. We don't deserve the grace that you have given us. We don't deserve the mercy that you pour out upon us. We certainly don't deserve the forgiveness, but we thank you. And so now we give. We give of our time, our, our resources, our money, our, our love. Father, I pray that we share that love with those that we encounter outside of this place and inside of this place. Father, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your grace. Fill us with your peace. May we be totally unafraid to share our story about you, to share our faith in you, to share your grace, to give mercy to those that need it. Father, may we be your people, your children. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's watch a little bit about PC 101. And I want to tell you about PC 101. The Preston Crest Church of Christ is a welcoming place for all types of people to hear the message of Jesus Christ. But public teaching about Jesus alone doesn't make us a church. What makes us a church, not just an educational organization, is that we are a community. We have guests and regular attenders, but we also have members. Members are people who have made the intentional decision to belong to our fellowship and know that they're connected connected with God's vision for Preston Crest, connected with God's Son, connected to one another, and connected to God's mission. PC 101 is an informal session that helps those who are considering placing membership by helping them get to know Preston Crest better and to answer any questions they may have about Preston Crest Church of Christ. We look forward to traveling together on our Christian journey and thank you Preston Crest for supporting ministries like PC 101. Yeah, PC 101, next Sunday morning, in between the services, during our class time, you'll see that that's going to start about 945. So if you are in this audience considering placing your membership here, still kicking the tires, still trying to figure it out, come and join us and be a part of that at 945 next Sunday morning. The, the, the weekend after that, March 25th, is our Refresh Ladies' Day. You can still connect with that and join up for that. Sign up at the table in the foyer, or you can use that QR code that is currently on the wall behind me and uh, get connected with that. We got over 200 ladies already signed up for that, and we can, we can use some more. Y'all come on. It's going to be a great weekend. I won't be there, but uh, ladies will be. It'll be a great time. Let's stand, church. We're going to send kids on up to Children's Church.
And we're going to sing this good old hymn that is such a lament and uh, just a wonderful hymn. Let's sing this together. When Amen. I am a little bit angry. I think confession is good this morning because on my way, I was a little late getting in the auditorium. I passed by the fellowship hall over there and there are piles of pastries and bacon heaped up and I'm angry because when I was a baby, I, got, I like got maybe some applesauce or a bottle but apparently, that's for the baby dedication over there. So I'm like, man, babies today have it so good. <laughs> okay, you're saying that's for the parents? Okay, all right, yeah. Maybe the babies can get a sweet roll or two, I don't know. And then you guys, so good to see Dino and Debbie here. Our awesome missionaries to Athens, Greece have been doing such great work over there. And Isla and I got to be in that church and worship with the brothers and sisters. And that place is alive. And it is a united nations of the kingdom of God. I mean, you see these descriptions in the book of Revelation of every tribe, every nation, this gathering in heaven. I think Athens, Greece, if you get over there, got to go to church with the Glyphata Church of Christ and you'll get to see a little bit of revelation right there and I don't know how many different languages we had was it four or five I don't, I don't know <laughs> four there were a lot of different languages being spoken in that assembly and it was so amazing 
PC 101 next week. If you're visiting with us, if you want to know more about this church, if you want to be part of this church, be here next week. Maybe I could rustle up some donuts. I'll definitely have some coffee over there, and we'll have some good conversation next week. So hope you can be a part of that. Learning a language is a difficult thing. Uh, if you've learned a language or a second language, maybe a third language, uh, you know it's difficult. Um, it's also a very re rewarding thing. And along the way, if you take language learning seriously, I can promise you there will be some comic relief moments as well because if you're learning a language, sometimes what you think you're saying is not what you're really saying, all right? It just, it's going to happen. And when we lived in Brazil, uh, I would like to say it only happened once or twice, but at least in the beginning, it was a fairly regular occurrence. Like very early on, uh, we decided we were going to have a lady come and help us clean the apartment when you have small children. That's a really nice thing to have. So she was going to come, a cleaning lady, a couple times a week there at our apartment. And so I went downstairs because she needed to be let into the apartment. Uh, so I talked to the security guy at the front door and said, you know, our cleaning lady's coming today. She'll be here at 5. She'll be leaving at I mean, she'll be here at 8. She'll be leaving at 5. I uh, just want you to know. And he looked at me with this really weird look. You see, instead of saying fashioneira, which is a cleaning lady, I said fechadura, which is doorknob. <clears throat> yeah, my doorknob will be here about 8, and then she will be leaving about 5. So he just pointed at the doorknob on the front door and said fechadura. Yeah. Or when I was preaching one time, that amazing story of the prodigal son, the grace of God, the love of the father. And you all remember that great homecoming and the barbecue that, that the, the father throws, the big party with the barbecue and has the fatted calf, you know, killed, butchered so that they can eat that, that steak and that, those ribs and everything. Instead of, instead of fatted calf, instead of bezeho gordo, I said that he was going to have the Bezoro Gordo killed, the fatted beetle. <laughs> Nothing like plump beetle on the spit. If you haven't tried it. So yeah, when everybody had that reaction and started laughing, I was like, I'm not sure what I just said, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't correct. Anyway, Isla will remember before we moved back, and we, we knew we were going to move back to the States, uh, Claudia was like 11, which we were told she's probably old enough that she's going to probably retain the Portuguese, and she did. And David was only eight, and we're told he's going to lose his Portuguese. It was a really sad thing to hear, but little kids learn really quickly, forget really quickly. Sure enough, within like three months of moving back to the States, ages, it was all gone. And I want to talk about a language that we, many of us, may have lost our first language, the language of the babies. When you entered the world, you could communicate. You could communicate loudly and at times very effectively. It was the language of lament. Your cry, your protest was registered probably in the delivery room. In fact, medical professionals interpret those loud cries in the delivery room not as a sign of sickness or frailty, but of life, of vitality, of health. It's a good sign when that no newborn baby cries. But somewhere along the way, some of us 
have lost that language. We need to recapture that language of lament. Maybe you're embarrassed by tears. Maybe it's awkward and uncomfortable to be around someone who is mourning. But it is, in some ways, lament is the language of faith. Mark Brogop wrote a book. I don't know if I'm saying his last name right, but that's my best stab at it. He wrote that lament is the language of a people who believe in God's sovereignty but live in a world of tragedy. So here's the thing. In order to be healthy, vibrant, growing children of God, we need to recapture our first language, our lost language. And so a God-directed cry has been a sign of faith, has been a sign of relationship with God really since the beginning. Throughout the pages of Scripture, the cries of the faithful are registered. God makes sure that they are etched in the Word, in the Scripture, so that we will not miss the importance of lament. And it's unfortunate that the language gets neglected and unlearned, really, because you think about Scripture, then you're going to think about the laments of people like Jeremiah and Job, King David, King Jesus. Their tears are recorded in Scripture Stating what should be now obvious to us, Michael Card, musician and songwriter, has this to say, not a single verse of the Old Testament forbids lamenting. In fact, later on, Jesus will bless those who do. Blessed are those who mourn. So the tears of our spiritual ancestors, they are drenching the pages of our Bibles because... It's a sacred place when the faithful turn to God with their mourning. And if Jesus, our Lord, was called in Isaiah 53, verse 3, a man of sorrows, and one of my favorite phrases about Jesus was that he was acquainted with grief. If those things are true of our Lord, then we would do well to work on our fluency as well in the language of lament. In the Bible, there are two dialects, if you will, of this language. There is protest and there is penitence. For the last two weeks, we have been talking about the laments of protest. What is a protest? A protest is looking out there, is externally focused. It's what's wrong out there. Now, it may be something close, close to home. It may be the loss of a loved one. It may be dementia. It may be an injustice that happened to one of your family members. It could be a lot of things, but it is a, a complaint or a protest about something that's wrong out there. God, why are you letting this happen? It may be something off the news. Another unarmed black man shot dead on the streets. Why is this happening again? A few years back, I went downtown 
for a lament service down at the Meyerson. The President Obama was there. Uh, former President Bush was there. They were on stage. We were lamenting the brutal murders in cold blood of five Dallas police officers. We were lamenting that. We were mourning together over that. So protest looks out there. Penitence says there's something terribly wrong, and it's not out there. It's, it's in here. What is evil, what is off, what is broken, I see it in the mirror. And so this is a, a penitentiary lament, penitence. Consider David, King David, a man after God's own heart for Samuel. But we know that David being called a man after God's own heart doesn't mean he was flawless, can't mean he was flawless, because in 2 Samuel, we're told he was an adulterer, he was a deceiver, he was a murderer. So what gives? How can he be a man after God's own heart? Ah, because he was after God's heart. He was hungry for God. God was in first place for him. He was flawed but faithful. He, he sought the heart of God. And when he looked in the mirror and saw his brokenness, it wrecked him. And out of that, we get Psalm 51 that David wrote through tears. And we'll get there in a little bit, but I just wanted to to rehearse, not go into total detail on all of this. You've probably heard the story of David and Bathsheba. But just to refresh us, that episode happened when things were very good for David. When he had built his CV, when his great accomplishments were in the rearview mirror. He was a conqueror, he was a king, he was a poet, he was a leader. He had fought Israel's battles and now he was on cruise control in the city that he built. The city of David, relaxing in the palace while his men fought battles far away on the frontiers. One night, he notices on a nearby house terrace a beautiful woman taking a bath. And he had to have her. He sent for her. And he and Bathsheba spent the night together. And she became pregnant. Immediately, damage control, immediately, how do I cover this up? And so he calls Uriah, his, her husband, his friend, his trusted soldier. He calls Uriah back quickly from the front lines, hoping that they will sleep together and cover up his sin. But Uriah will not. He's a man of honor. My fellow soldiers are on the front line. They're not with their wives. How can I lie with my wife? And so his cover-up fails. Plan B. I will have Uriah killed. He sends him back to the front line, has the general put him on a suicide mission, and sure enough, Uriah is cut down. By the way, I'll say this. I may not identify with all of that story for sure, but I do identify with a couple of things. 
I find myself in the deepest trouble when I'm kind of on cruise control, when things seem to be going pretty well. I get a little complacent. I also find this chain reaction that David experienced where one sin seems to beget another and another and another. I I see that true in my own life. The cover-up, the secrecy, the hiding that goes along with sin. Anyway, he's confronted by a friend of his who is a prophet of God. You see, you can't hide your sin from the Lord. You cannot do that. David the pro- I mean, Nathan the prophet comes to him and confronts him in a creative way, but confronts him with his sin, and all of a sudden, the blindness goes away, and all of his deception and his, his scheming, he just realizes the full weight of his guilt. And David is broken. Bathsheba's child is born very, very sick, and David laments. And that child dies after a week and David feels responsible and out of this contrition out of this penitence comes this psalm psalm 55 by the way before we get to that let me just say something because I think we Americans struggle with this we don't want to be sad We will do about anything to avoid it or to shorten it or to weaken it. We don't want to feel sorrow. But according to Scripture, not always, but according to Scripture, sometimes sorrow is exactly the medicine that we need. Paul wrote letters to this church in Corinth. You want to talk about sin problems. The Corinthians had a lot of sin problems. And so Paul writes this scathing letter we know as 1 Corinthians, and he is ripping them up. They needed it, trust me. They had all kinds of stuff going on in that church. They were fighting and dividing over things, and Paul calls them out on that. Their worship services, think about this. When they got together as a church, it was such a disaster that they were dividing and they were arguing and they were, pride was entering into it. And so he had to call them out for a variety of things, chapters written about what a mess their worship assemblies had become. They, sexual sin, every kind of sexual sin, adultery and incest and, and homosexual lifestyles. Paul has to address all of this in 1 Corinthians. The result of this was a lot of people in Corinth had broken hearts. Paul's words, powered by the Holy Spirit, brought to that church a great sense of grief. And Paul writes in that letter of 2 Corinthians, as it is, Paul says, I rejoice. I rejoice. Not because you were grieved. But listen to this. But because you were grieved into repenting. I rejoice in that. For you felt godly grief. 
you felt godly grief so that you suffered no loss through us. For godly grief, check this out, it produces, what does it produce? A repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. So these two kinds of grief, Paul says, one of them is great. It's this godly grief because it takes you to a place of redemption, of healing, of a fresh start. No regrets. Worldly grief is just a wallowing. He says it leads to death. It doesn't lead to change. It doesn't lead to health and vitality. But this grief that turns into a lament to God, that that turns a heart toward God, Paul says, I rejoice in that. Don't run from that. Run, Run to that. David felt that grief, that godly grief, over his sinful choices over his actions, over the destruction that those choices caused. He not only confessed his sin to God, he didn't just get in a closet and say, God, I'm sorry. I mean, he confessed it. He published it. It's in the Hebrew songbook. Generations of people would encounter his words, his lament, his confession. He was done hiding. He was done pretending that he had done nothing wrong. Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your hesed, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions can feel the weight that's been piling up on his conscience. I know my transgressions, my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, I have sinned. I've done what is evil in your sight. How could someone after God's own heart do such awful things? Well, he owned his sin. He acknowledged his sin. He was grieved by his sin. And as we've seen with life-giving laments, it did not stop there. It took him to God. It took him to the author of life. It took him to the giver of second and third chances. By the way, There's talk these days, you know, Kentucky, there was some revival on the campus of a college there, Asbury. There's talk about revival these days. Beautiful thing. May God fan the flames of revival in America. But if you want to know how to experience revival in your own life, in your family, in your church, in your nation, it always starts with two things. Genuine confession of sin. I'm not going to hide this anymore. Revival starts there. And fervent prayer. In the Bible, you got a lot of revival. Well, I think about Jonah in Nineveh. 
the reluctant preacher. For 40 days he preaches, and this city, Nineveh, this pagan city, this godless city, they repent. Even the king, they are, and it's not a hidden thing. It's like, I'm, so, I'm sorry, God. They are covering themselves up in ashes and wailing. God, forgive us. Revival breaks out in the most unlikely places. You may have heard in a history class about the Welsh Revival. It's one of the more recent ones, the last couple hundred years that has caught people's attention. The Welsh Revival, western England there, coal mining people back in the day. And this revival broke out. More than 100,000 people in 1904 came to Christ in Wales. Bars, pubs closed throughout Wales. There just weren't customers anymore. Drunkenness had fallen off to such an extent. The little Welsh ponies, these squatty little ponies that are bred to work inside the dark coal mining tunnels. Those ponies were lost and confused because the only language they knew were the expletives of those coal miners who once they were converted... The ponies were like, what? I don't know what to do. I don't understand this language. True story. A Welsh newspaper wrote about one of the revival meetings and just described it this way. I thought it was interesting. The scene was almost indescribable. Tier upon tier of men and women filled every inch of space. Those who could not gain admittance stood outside and listened at the doors. Others rushed to the windows where almost every word was audible when at 7 o'clock the service began. Quite 2,000 people must have been present. The enthusiasm was unbounded. Women sang and shouted until perspiration ran down their faces. Men jumped up one after the other to testify. One told in quivering accents the story of a drunken life. A working man spoke like a practiced orator. And one can imagine what a note the testimony of a converted gypsy woman struck. When dressed in her best, she told of her reformation and her repentance. At 10 o'clock, the meeting had lost none of its ardor. Prayer after prayer went up from these Welsh hearts with almost dreary persistence. Time and again, the four ministers who stood in the pulpit attempted to start a hymn but it was all in vain. Revival had taken a hold of the people. They just kept confessing and testifying. By the way, I'll say this before I read the last part. Uh, one of the things in Wales was um, after the Welsh revival, policemen were really, really bored. There wasn't much to do because crimes weren't being committed. And so part of this report, his latest, talking about Reverend Roberts, his latest convert is a policeman who after complaining that people had gone mad after religion so that there was nothing to do, he went to see for himself and bursting into tears confessed the error of his ways and repented. David experienced revival, a fresh start with God. And he chronicles it for us in Psalm 51. We still sing the words of his revival today. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. 
Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. You can see him. This is broken. I need a clean heart. I need a right spirit. Lord, I need for you to do that. His tears take him to God, and there's healing and redemption there. If there is to be revival in our lives, in our church, in this nation, it has to start with genuine lament over sin. A lament that turns us back to God. Every lament says something like, things are not as they should be. This kind of lament, penitence, it says, things are not as they should be in me, in my heart, in my thoughts, in my attitudes. God, do something about that. Create in me a clean heart because my heart is filthy. The good news as followers of Jesus is that our songs of lament are shot through with hope. Our king is not King David wearing a crown of gold on his head. It's King Jesus wearing a crown of thorns on his. And through that blood we are washed clean. We are forgiven. We are set right with God, adopted into his family. What a wonderful thing to be followers of the risen king. As the old hymn says about coming to Jesus, we come and we say this, Just as I am, thou wilt receive. Wilt pardon, wilt welcome, pardon, cleanse, relieve because thy promise I believe O Lamb of God I come I come now this is the part of the message that I'll just say it that's not the fun part because this is what happens this is what you can do to douse the flames of revival and unfortunately, we do this, not only in our culture, but sometimes in churches. Um, like we say, this is the worst thing you can say to someone who is about to lament, who's, who's beginning to recognize their brokenness, their sinfulness. Tell them, that's not a sin. You're good. You want to short circuit the fires of revival? That's a good way to do it. Oh, those passages, we've been interpreting those passages wrong for 2,000 years. Finally, we've figured it out. Actually, you're good. Hmm. And so we imagine that our sin isn't really sin. And we get angry with anyone who dares to challenge us on that. Hmm. Here's the invitation. Let's get fluent in the language of lament. Not in the language of this world, which is self-justification, rationalization. I'm okay, you're okay. Let's get fluent in the language of lament, our first tongue. Listen to the Spirit. 
Let's hear the word of the Lord speaking to us through Scripture. And let's offer to God our broken-hearted pleas for forgiveness, for new hearts, for restoration. Psalm 51, verse 17. David says, The sacrifice you desire, it's a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Read that with me if you would. The sacrifice you desire is a broken heart. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. A broken spirit, a broken heart. God can work with that. Maybe there's some way that you need to respond, and I won't presume to know how that is, what exactly is going on in your life. But this is a place to do that, house of prayer, where we get in touch with our Father. We worship Him together. We pray over each other. Whatever that business is that you need to take care of with the Lord, we would encourage you to do that right now. Not kick the can down the road, not wait. But if the Spirit of the Lord has put something on your heart, Take care of it now. Maybe it's coming to Jesus and saying, I'm done being Lord of my life. I need you to be Lord of my life. He purchased you at Calvary with his blood so that you could be redeemed, forgiven, part of God's family. So maybe today it's accepting what Jesus did for you at Calvary, being baptized into Christ, and beginning a new life with the Lord. Perhaps you need the prayers of God's people. We are here to pray with you, over you. No one in here is without sin. We are all made right only, only, only by the blood of Christ. Maybe you just want to know more about being part of the family here at Preston Crest. Whatever need you have, let's, let's stand together and respond to the Lord as we worship. Just as I is right.
Thank you for being here this morning. It's good to have Nino and Debbie with us from Athens. Remember to come back tonight. Jacob's going to bring us a wonderful lesson from the parables. Church starts at 6 o'clock. Please read with me the take-home from Deuteronomy 31.6. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Have a good day.